Welcome to the Epiphany Movement Podcast. To learn more about the Epiphany Movement, visit us online at epiphanymovement.com. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's talk from Pastor Drake Nelson. If you refuse to let them go, I was in a plague of frogs across your entire land. Now, I went to the Mississippi State ball game yesterday, and it was, A, it was really, really hot. But if Mississippi State fans know how to do anything, they know how to do two things. They know how to pack out a stadium. It was like 15,000, an NCAA record yesterday. Unbelievable. And they know how to tailgate, all right? Them boys had anything from sausage to frog legs and Krispy Kreme donuts on the grill. No, I'm not kidding. They really had that. Um, that I don't even know what this is called, but they said it was called boudin. Boudin? Do y'all, I, y'all, y'all are nodding like y'all like boudin or something. They told me what it was. I said, no, thank you, you know. But they brought me out frog legs. Now, reading this passage before, I had a totally different understanding of a plague of frogs. After I tried... Frog legs, bring on the plague, okay? Frog legs are the bomb. I love frogs. Never had them until yesterday. This is what happened. Verse 3, the Nile River will swarm full with frogs. They will come up out of the river and into your palace, even into your bedroom and onto your bed. Would have been very interesting in in Pharaoh's court. They will enter the house of your officials and all your people. They will even jump into your ovens and your kneading bowls. Frogs will jump on you and your people, all the officials. So that, I mean, there's going to be a lot of frogs coming. Verse 5 says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron, Raise the staff in your hand over all the rivers and canals and the ponds of Egypt and bring up frogs all over the land. So Aaron raised up his hand over the waters of Egypt and frogs came up and covered the whole land. But the magicians were able to do the very same thing with their magic. They too caused frogs to come up on the land of Egypt, which makes me scratch my head. But on to verse 8. Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and begged, plead with the Lord to take the frogs away from me and my people. I will let your people go so they can offer sacrifices to the Lord your God. You set the time, Moses replied. Just tell me when. Tell me when you want to, me to pray for you, your officials and your people. Then you and your houses will be rid of all the frogs. They will remain only in the Nile River. Verse 10, Pharaoh said, do it tomorrow. All right, Moses replied, it will be as you have said. And then you will know that there is no one like the Lord our God. God, we thank you for everything that you've given us. Thank you for today. I pray that you just speak in this next couple of moments, and I pray that you speak through me. Um, God, we love you, and we thank you for everything that you've given us. Um, Amen and amen. 430 years, y'all, the Egyptians were in bondage. That is 
almost twice as long as America has been a nation. They were in bondage 430 years, all up until a slavery was building and building and building. And then at the end, the Lord told Moses, go to Pharaoh and say, Pharaoh, let my people go, huh? Yeah, 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 yeah. And so Moses went and he spoke to Pharaoh and he said, hey, let my people go. And so that's exactly what happened. And Pharaoh said, um, I don't think I'm going to let y'all go quite yet. Not, we're not letting you go right now. And so the Lord sent ten plagues on Egypt. Ten plagues. There were plagues of blood, plagues of the water. The last one was the, uh, the Passover where everyone lost their firstborn child. Um, Braylon, I'm so sorry. I'm gone. Maddie, I'm so sorry. You're gone. Um, um, I think Ray, I think you're gone, Ray. The firstborn child, boom, gone. But one of those ten plagues was this plague of the frogs and frogs was everywhere all around Egypt and this is what I'm convinced I'm convinced that Pharaoh's wife came um, she came up and she was like talking to Pharaoh and she said look this is enough you know I've I could deal with everything I cannot deal with frogs in my makeup bag and Pharaoh said I could deal with the frogs and I can do but I cannot deal with my wife nagging me okay so she, hey, this is just how I see it in my mind. Pharaoh turns and says, Moses, please pray to God on my behalf to let all these frogs go away. And so we got a God who is willing to make all the frogs go away, and we have a Pharaoh and a people in a land full of frogs who want them vanished. And so Pharaoh says, Moses, 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 can you get rid of all these frogs? And Moses looks back at Pharaoh and he says, you just tell me when and we'll make it happen. And then Pharaoh responds with perhaps one of the most shocking scriptures in all of the Bible. Verse 10, it says this. It's only three words, but one word I want to focus in on right now. He says this. He says, do it tomorrow. Do it tomorrow. Which begs the question, why in the world would Pharaoh want to spend another night next to his beautiful Pharaoh wife with a hundred frogs around? But more importantly than figuring out why Pharaoh waited till tomorrow is to ask yourself, what frogs are we carrying around with us day in and day out? What frogs are we bringing into the church that God has already said, tell me when and I'll get rid of it. But we have them on us, in us, and all around us and we are refusing to let them go. And we are just saying tomorrow, tomorrow. See, church, I think, I, 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 I've never sounded so much like a pastor right there. I said, see, church, okay. All right, look, y'all, <laughs> I'm country, all right. Look, y'all, I think the biggest, the, the biggest thing that churches face 
and you face in your life, in your Christian life, is not an unwillingness to change. It's not a decision that says, I don't want to change. The biggest thing that we face as a church, in my opinion, and what you face, really, and what I face as a Christian is procrastination. I think that's the biggest thing, the, the number one thing that we face. It's not a decision. We don't say, oh, I don't want to change. We listen to sermons, we come in the door, we read books about it, we read our Bible about it, we pray about it, we know we should change. We say, that's a great idea, I'm going to change tomorrow. Am I, am I preaching good? Am I right? Am I right, really? Come on, am I? I think I'm right, I really do, I don't know, but I think that I am. Because, get this, get this. We say, oh, I'm, I'm going uh, to lose weight. I'm going to start exercising. And you know when I'm going to start, Mr. David? I'm going to start tomorrow. And I'm, I'm going to start eating healthier. And you know when I'm going to start? I'm going to start tomorrow. And, you know, I know I need to give a little bit more uh, uh, love in my marriage and I know I need to work some things out we need to talk some things out and I'm going to do that I'm going to start tomorrow and I know I'm in this adulterous relationship and I need to quit and I'm going to quit it's ruining my life and I'm going to do it tomorrow and I know I need to defeat this addiction that's in my life it's pulling my life apart and I will address that I'm going to do it tomorrow and we could go on and on. We could go on and on. And I saw this, I saw this, y'all, <laughs> in my own life. This is what's scary. I saw it in my own life. But guess what? Guess what day it is tomorrow when my head gets up? It's today, isn't it? It's today. And so guess what we never do? We never see tomorrow. We never get to tomorrow. And we procrastinate our lives away. And specifically, our Christian life away. And we say, well, we'll do it tomorrow. We'll do it tomorrow. We'll do it tomorrow. Y'all, somebody give me an amen right here. Somebody just get, okay, thank you, Mr. Bill Collier. Oh, I love that guy. Okay, somebody, somebody get this, okay? I think the goal of a human life is to live every single day, every single day, every single moment in the present, how you wish you would have lived it five minutes or five seconds after you die. I'm going to repeat that again because I think it's, it's it, it, this, when somebody told me this, it changed my life. It really changed my life. The goal of every moment, every day, every second is to live as if you wish you would have five minutes or five seconds after you die. And I think, I thank you so much. And I thought, I saw this in my life. And so I, I decided, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do what I always do. I'm going to go to YouTube. <laughs> I'm going to go to YouTube. And I'm going to search sermons that have to do with procrastination because I wanted, to, I wanted somebody to fill me up. And so I went to YouTube. I looked at sermons. And guess what I did not find one sermon on? Procrastination. Not one. Over 100 million YouTube sermons out there. Not one that I find that was on procrastination. And so I said, that's fine. I'll go to Google. I went to Google. I looked up messages on procrastination, Bible verses on procrastination. You know what? There was zero results for procrastination. Nobody hardly talks about it. But I believe it's one of the biggest things that we struggle with. So I want to talk about it. 
if that's okay with you. And I'm going to tell a little bit of a story of my life, and I'm going to mix it with a little bit that I've studied, and I'm going to try to eat, uh, uh, weave that all together. I studied specifically by a guy. He's, um, he, he, he made, he, he, this is his, his degree that he got his doctorate in. It's a guy named Tim Urban. Um, there's a couple more people that I studied, but here it goes. It's something like this, um, and this is just my story. I went to Mississippi College, and then I went to uh, New Orleans Seminary. And when you go to college, you get a whole lot of, of papers and essays that you have to write. And when you get all these papers, you're given, you know, maybe a four- or five-week window to complete the assignment and to turn in the paper. And so an average college student, their workflow looks something about like this, Okay. This is how the average workflow looks for a normal college student. And I would plan to do that, you know, with some, you start off a little slow, but in that first week you get enough done with some heavier days at the end, you can, you can push through it. And this is what I plan to do, but every single time, every single time, um, you know, I, I, it, it get to the end and um, this would be my workflow. That would happen every single time, Okay. And this is how I took tests, how I did papers, until something happened in my New Orleans on, uh, master's degree that's called a 90-day what? Like, it's a, called a 90-page what paper? Do you know? It starts with a T. Thesis paper. And so you're given a year to do your thesis paper, and it's like drawn out over, over a whole year. It has to be 90 pages. And I knew that my normal workflow would not work for a thesis paper. So I decided I was going to have a plan, and here was my plan, all right? I was going to start off, you know, a little slow, and then in the middle months, I was going to kick it up a higher gear, and then in the, in, in the uh, last months, I was really going to put it into high, high gear, and that was going to be okay. This is really an easy, simple tactic. Just walking up the stairs, very easy, nothing could go wrong, right? But then the first semester of my graduate degree had passed and um, I had done nothing. So now this is what I had a revised plan. This is what it was going to look like. Until two months passed in my second semester and I actually hadn't written a word or or really thought about it too much. So um, um, that two months turns in, well, that four months turns into two months, and then that two months turns into only one month, and that one month turned into two weeks, and <laughs> that y'all are like, you are something. And then that two weeks turned into 72 hours I had left to write my thesis paper that I was given a year to write. So I did the only thing I knew to do, Mr. Will. I go to the library. This is honest to God true. I go to the library. I buy. I mean, I didn't buy them all right then, and I would leave the library to go buy them. But overall, I bought 20 energy drinks from anything from Monster to Mountain Dew. And I stayed in that library with just a pile of books, pulling not one, but two all-nighters. I am not kidding. T 72 hours. Humans aren't supposed to do that. And so I got done with my thesis paper. I literally, I'm not kidding, y'all. I grabbed that thing off the copier, and I sprinted across, and I handed it in just in time. The ink was still hot. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Does anybody relate to this? I turned that little joker in. Ink was still hot. And I thought it was all over. 
but I don't want to say it was the next week because it may have been sooner than that. It may have been like four days. But like four days later, I get a call from my teacher, my professor, Dr. Phelps. And Dr. Phelps says, hey, is this Drake Nelson? I said, yes, it is. He said, this is Dr. Phelps. I want to talk to you about your thesis paper. I thought, oh, boy. He said, it was the best one we've ever seen. No, he didn't say that. He did not say that. It was a very different conversation. It was a terrible, terrible thesis paper. I just wanted to maybe look around and get everybody's glimpse that, like, the twinkling in your eye when that, for that one second you thought, this guy, it's amazing. <laughs> but, but a lot of you knew, it was like, no, this did not happen. Okay, that's fine. I ended up passing, all right, I got, everything was okay, I, I got my degree, and I just began to notice this procrastination mindset behind Drake Nelson, and I wanted to understand it, I wanted to learn about it, and th- I had a hypothesis, and, and because my behavior has always perplexed my, my non-procrastinating friends, and I had this hypothesis, and it was this. It was that the brains of a procrastinator was actually different from the brains of a non-procrastinator. And I wanted to prove this, so I found an MRI lab, an MRI lab that let me test this hypothesis and take a picture of my brain and also take a picture of a brain of a proven non-procrastinator. Do you, know, do you want to see what this looks like? I want to see what this, if you don't know anything about brain chemistry, you may not notice a subtle difference, but if you have studied the brain at all, you probably will notice the difference. Okay, here's what it looks like. Um, this is the non-procrastinating brain. And this is my brain, all right? This is my brain. Now, listen. Both have a rational decision maker. The only difference in my brain is that there is an instant gratification monkey. So what does that mean? That means that my brain wants to do what I need to be done, that what should be done. I want to do the chores. I want to do my my honeydews. I want to, you know, whatever, whatever. I want to study for the test, whatever needs to be done. I want to do those things. But the instant gratification monkey comes along and he says, Drake, I'm like, Oh, gosh, you again. You should take a, scr- a, a, a scroll, not a stroll, a scroll through Facebook. And so I get out my phone, and I do just that. And 35 minutes or an hour has passed, and I'm done scrolling through Facebook, and then I get on Google Earth. And I decide that I need to go look at Israel, the holy lands, the prom- just to get a better feel for, you know, where Jesus is going to return someday. And then so I look at that, and I say, you know what, I'm just going to go look at East Asia. So I, get, I look at East Asia and get a feel for the landscape of East Asia, just because I can. And then the instant gratification monkey scrolls me up, and he says, you know what you should do next? You should go to Facebook. And so then I get, I mean, not Facebook, YouTube. Oh, Lord, YouTube, not YouTube. And then I get on YouTube, and I just start searching. It starts off, I'm searching how to get my license out from underneath my car because I lost it, and it went in the dark hole that you can never find in your car. And then it ends with an interview by Billie Eilish. 
and seven and a half hours have passed, and there's been my day, and I don't have any time to do all the things that I need to do. Does anybody relate to this guy right here? Nobody? All right. Now, there is a guardian angel in this mind, okay? There is a guardian angel. I want to, I want to, you, you ask yourself, how does, how does a procrastinator get any work done? It's because of this guy right here, all right? This, uh, uh, this is the problem, never mind, all right? And then this is the guy that really helps us. Uh, the guardian angel of a procrastinator. It is called the panic monster. Do you know what this is? This is any time there's a deadline due or any time that there is a, um, a, 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 you fear public humiliation or there's a, a job loss or a potential career loss. Anytime there's something with scary consequences, this dude comes up. And more importantly, this is the only thing that the instant gratification monkey is scared of. And so when the panic monster comes, boom, instant gratification monkey, he's up the tree and you can actually get some work done. Now you're thinking, where is this boy going with all this? Okay, here's where I'm going. Here's where I'm going. Is, um... When I look at it, when I look at it, I look at the bigger scale. Because I believe this is true. I believe this is like really, I mean, when deadlines are due or something like that, and you've got to get something done, you'll work really, really hard, and you'll get there, and you'll, you'll get it, and the procrastination lifestyle works with those three characters and that operating system. It's not pretty, but you get stuff done. But it has a very different effect in different things in your life, because I think there are, hear me now, hear me now, this, uh, all the, Pretend is like that's this yawn. This is serious. There are two different types of procrastinating. One style of procrastination has the deadlines, and what happens is it contains the effects somewhat pretty well of procrastination. But there's a different style of procrastination, and this is when this is when there are no deadlines. So, for example, if you are a, a, a if you're self-employed or an entrepreneur. At the beginning, there are no deadlines, but it goes more than just career choices. I need to spend some time with my family, or I need to start eating healthier, or um, I'll prove this is true. Look, I'll, I'll prove it to you like this. Look at, look at a marriage. Look at a marriage. It's true in a marriage. Do you know any marriage that's miserable 95% of the time? Like, think, think to your mind now. Think if you know this. A marriage that is miserable 95% of the time, totally and completely like, this is a terrible marriage. But one spouse threatens to the other spouse, I'm about to leave your sorry behind if you don't get your stuff together. And then what happens? The panic monster comes out and, and it's normally a he. He thinks, oh no, she's going to leave me. And so this little joker becomes like the next Mr. Romeo. He becomes the next romantic. He's opening doors. He's sweeping. As Mr. Sammy Fisher would say, very little no ma'am, a whole lot of yes ma'am. You're cooking every night. This, this dude that didn't, he, he will be amazing. He will be an amazing husband. How long will it last? Normally about two weeks, won't it? It will normally last about two weeks. I will threaten to go. I will threaten to leave you. Panic arises. Oh no, I'll be an amazing husband for two weeks. It'll get back on track. And then what happens? Slowly it does this, doesn't it? Slowly it does this, doesn't it? Why? Procrastination. 
you're not taking that time every single day. But look on the much broader scale and look at your Christian life. Look at your Christian life. There's no deadline for daily Bible reading. There's no deadline for your prayer life. There's no deadline into giving to the poor. There's no deadline of even ministering to somebody at your work. There's no deadline for like, like getting a sin out of your life. And if I'm being completely honest, there really isn't even a deadline when to give your life to Christ, except before you die. And a lot of people don't get that opportunity. And a lot of people wish they would. But we put it off. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll, I will get it done. And so look at the effects that this has. Look at the effects that this has on your life. Not really the first type of, not really the first type of procrastination that has deadlines because that can be maintained. But look at, look at your lifestyle. Look at your Christian walk. And then ask yourself this question. Really, even the people that don't ask themselves any question um, that the preacher asked, ask yourself this question and answer it. Do I have things in my life that I procrastinate? That I procrastinate doing. And so what do you do? This is my last picture I want to show y'all. Um, this is a box that each little box represents a, a week in an average male life expectancy. Each box represents a week. And this is all y'all got, y'all. This is all you have. This is all you have. And some, if I'm being honest, you're more than halfway done. Some have maybe two lines left, three lines, a year, two. Some are just beginning. But they are all numbered. And if you live for tomorrow and you always procrastinate what you wish you would do for the Lord, you will never get here. You will never live in the moment. Get this, I have three things that I want to close with. What should we do if you are a procrastinator? What should you do if you are a procrastinator? Thing number one, be sure that you pay attention to the instant gratification monkey because he is lurking. You should YouTube this or Google Earth this or search this or, you know, go here and spend the day or spend the week. <laughs> Beware. Number two, you should live. You should, you should, let me say it in a different way. Handle your frogs. You should handle your frogs. Handle your frogs. Y'all know what I mean by that? Handle your frogs. Number three, I would say this. Number three, I would say this. It's most important. When God says do something, when God says do something, do it. When God says do something, do it. I got a call yesterday from one of my, one of my youth that I used to um, be a youth pastor over, and she was crying. I was like, Kayla, what's up, what's up, what's up? She said, the craziest thing just happened, right? The craziest thing just happened. Guess what? I was in a convenience store, and I was just walking around, and I felt God, like, it was this weirdest feeling, but I, I felt like God wanted me to go pray for this girl. He wanted me to go pray for this girl. This is yesterday that she's saying this. I felt like she wanted me to pray for this girl. And so I kind of took her lap, and I found out that she had this type of stomach like 
like this tumor in her stomach. And I thought, well, that's weird. And, and I, I would take another lap. And, and God was really putting her on my heart, so I just went for it. And I said, look, I don't know you. I don't know anything about you. But I did overhear that you had a, a tumor in your stomach, and God's placed you on my heart. Can I pray for you? This girl in the middle of shopping stops and prays for this, girl, this, this woman. Comes back the next day. This girl, I guess, works there. Comes back the next day. And looks at my friend, and I said, I don't know what you did. I don't know if you, well, I, I, don't, I don't know anything about you, but all I know is I went to the hospital yesterday. And when I left the hospital, the surgeon looked at me and said, You're not going to believe this. You are cancer free, and we don't know how. That happened this week. When God says to do something, do, like, don't put it off, do it right then. And she's still crying on the phone. And she's saying, but Drake, that's not all. That's not all. That's not all that happened, Drake. You'll never believe this. We went to camp this week. And it was a room of 15 of us in there. And our preacher was preaching. And we don't know this guy. We don't know anything about this guy. But he stops in the middle of preaching. And he says, hold on, y'all. I need to pray. And the preacher that's up there speaking to 15 of you stops and just starts to pray. And then he gets up and he looks across the crowd and he says, y'all, 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 somebody in this room, a leader, a leader in this room has severe back pain and you need to come up here right now. We need to pray for you. And one of the leaders, sure enough, raises his hand and says, I think you're talking about me. I, I think you're not talking about me, but you don't know me. This is weird. And so he comes up and the guy, this preacher, asks him, on a scale of 1 to 10, what would you say your pain is per day? He says an 8. All 15 of them now come down and they are surrounded by even more like staff and stuff. They all come down and pray for this young man, this young leader in the church. And he starts crying, just bawling his eyes out. And, and he looks up and he says, I don't know what's happening, but my pain has gone from an 8 to 0. And you think in your mind, I, I don't believe, and I'm talking to you now, I don't believe that type of stuff. Well, that's fine. You don't have to believe it. I don't know that I believe it either. I'm just saying what I heard. That's some crazy stuff. But I will tell you something that I experienced. We were trying to raise enough money for the Sack Sweet People group the other day. We had to raise $5,000. $5,000 to translate the book of Ephesians to a, to a people group who don't have the Bible in their language. We had to raise $5,000. And not only we as a church, but kids had to raise that much money. Kids don't know how to put their left shoe from the right shoe. How are they about to raise $5,000? You know how much they ended up raising? They ended up raising um, right at $2,500. They raised right at $2,500, um, which was amazing in that moment because what happened is, is the church, y'all, heard about that, and they said, hey, you know what we want to do? Um, we actually want to match that. We want, we want to match that. And got it up to $5,000. This is coming from a bunch of young, like little kids who eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for fun. And they, they think it's filet mignon. And, and I watched as I saw, I, I watched this happen. They didn't tug on their dad's arm and say, Dad, 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 give me, you know, 
$100. Give me, give me, give me $100. They literally went into their piggy banks and went into their wallets and went into, I didn't even know kids had a bank account, but went into their bank account apparently and got like $20 or $47 or $100 out of their own money and came and put it in the offering plate. Is that not incredible to y'all? Raised $2,500. Church says, you know what, we want to match it. $5,000. But we was actually two hundred and sixty dollars short because it's two. It, they needed five, it, like it's thirty five dollars a verse, and as many verses there is in Ephesians, we needed five thousand two hundred and sixty dollars to complete everything. And so I called um, the girl that I was talking to. That the, there's eleven major Bible translators in the nation, actually worldwide. They're all in America, and so I called this girl who works at the largest one, and I got in touch with her. I said, hey. Um, we were actually $260 short, but look, we're sending the check, and I'm super proud of this bunch. And she actually finds out about Blackjack Baptist Church and our size, but with how much we donated. And she was so impressed that these young children for VBS raised that much money. She said, hold on, let me make a couple phone calls. I think I can get you the $260 back. She hangs up the phone. She calls me back, y'all. This is dead serious. She says, hey, I know somebody who's going to match the $5,000 that y'all gave. And so we, as a church, raised over $10,000 to the Saxby People Group. And you may think, well, that's just a bunch of smelly kids that don't know their left and their right. But if you can't tell me that God doesn't have his hand working in that, this was incredible. I mean, can y'all like, get a little bit? I and mean, that's some good news, right? And she said, look, um, she called me Brother Drake. I was like, you can just call me Drake. You know, you know it's just Drake's fine. But she says, look, um, we plan on having every single language in the whole wide world, a Bible in every single language by the year 2033. And it's with people like your church to help make that happen. But what does it take? It takes people say, I'm not going to live tomorrow. I'm going to leverage my future for now, and I'm going to live for today. I'm not going to have the instant gratification of, uh, I'm, of, of eating a, going to get a snow cone. I'm actually going to leverage that for the kingdom. It takes all of us having that childlike faith and following their example to say, hey, you know what? We're going to live for today and not become so procrastinating. Um, so... What are we going to do? We're going to do three things. We're going to beware of the instant gratification monster. We're going to deal with the frogs in our life. And then lastly, when God tells us to do something, whether that's driving down um, County Line Road and seeing somebody on the side and say, hey, you need to pull over and talk to them, or whether that is whatever it is, when God speaks something in the wee hours and in the wee um, decibels of our heart, we stop what we're doing and we do it. And we do it right then. All right? Well, let's pray, and then Miss Melanie and um, 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 Mr. David is going to come and lead us in worship.